0: Today is the 10th of February, 2021, and we come to study this path of practice, Mm -hmm. which is the path that the Buddha found. And there's only this one path, this best of paths, which is this noble eightfold path. And it's not that just anyone has the qualities to be able to meet with this. They need to build their paramis, spiritual perfections, maturity, up to the highest level. They need to have this great um, unsurpassed intent and sincerity of heart. And all the Buddhas needed this um, to make that wish, to uh, become a future Buddha. I really needed to have great motivation, have great energy of heart, to have a lot of forbearance in order to raise up all their paramis to a state of completion. So when they developed this parami of generosity, they gave up everything, sacrificed everything, their wife and children, all the wealth, all the money they had, And they were willing to give this up for awakening. In each of these bharamis, it's really not easy to develop them. Like equanimity, for example. Uh, Buddha trained this to the highest level. And in one life, uh, he, even though he was from a very wealthy family, was initially very rich, he gave that all up and went to stay in a charnel ground and he used bones as his pillow. And even though it was really difficult there, um, very torturous to stay there, he still carried on, because what he wanted was to train his mind, was to develop this equanimity, to raise up his baramis to this highest of levels. So sometimes for us, um, we feel dejected in the practice, we feel out of energy, we may feel lazy, may not want to do chanting, we may not want to sit or walk in meditation. And in these times, we should recollect the Buddha that he had such great resolution in his practice. And for us, all we have to do is walk into the orchard and pick a fruit from a tree and eat it, whether it's a mango or lychee, or banana. But the Buddha was the, is the owner of this orchard, and he's the one who planted all of these trees and took care of them, attended on them until they flowered and fruited. All, all we have to do is just walk in, pick a fruit and eat it. It's not difficult. So for the Buddha to be able to find this noble path, to find awakening, It was something incredibly difficult, very arduous. And then after that, he went to teach the methods of the practice. So for us, we give these a go, we try them out, we try to follow this. And this is what takes us out of suffering. It's just that the defilements that arise in our hearts, they stir us up in confusion. And there are a lot of them that come up. And uh, just, we can give an example um, to the present day and age. And uh, it's like there's a high security system in a very developed country. And in order to get into that, you need to have the right code, the right password. And there's also a code to our ignorance as well, to Avija. And the Buddha was able to crack this code. And he taught us the way, the methods, to destroying this ignorance. So we walk this path out of developing mindfulness, to have this recollection over our bodies, over the feelings, over our mind, over the Dhamma. And if we train ourselves with efforts, then we'll see the drawbacks and the dangers in the cycle of saṃsāra, which really means the drawbacks and the dangers and all the feelings that come up in our hearts. Because we see that this really does bring difficulty to us. They stir up our hearts. They make them all agitated. And we can ask ourselves, why aren't we able to control this? Why aren't we really able to train our minds? That we don't want for them to become all scattered or chaotic. We want for them to be in peace. And after all, this is my mind, isn't it? So why is it thinking so much? Why is it proliferating so much? So we contemplate and come to train our minds well. And no matter what state they're going into, uh, whether they're proliferating upon a sense of liking or of of disliking, um, we see that there's no true self to that. But if we think, and we speak following um, those emotions, following all those feelings, uh, then this will cause us much difficulty. So the Buddha taught us to have mindfulness um, firmly placed at our own minds, aware, whether we're standing, walking, sitting, lying down, to train ourselves to be aware of that. Because usually the mind just thinks without stopping. So the Buddha taught us methods, uh, meditation objects. And such as this word, Buddha. And in some places, they teach other mantras, uh, like Buddha Saranangachami or Buddha. And initially, we may feel confused about this. You may think that, well, this word Buddha, it's the correct way to practice. This is the right mantra. So why do others teach different things? And it just sounds very awkward to us, quite strange because we're attached to this mantra that we're using, of Buddha. But if we understand well, we'll see that really these are just things to focus our minds upon, they're things to bring up within our hearts, uh, so that they can become a source of focus for the heart, a source of recollection. And this word buddha is for the sake of bringing about inner peace, but other words work well as well for that. So, buddhāṁ Saranangachami, this can bring up joy within our hearts. And uh Lumpurdu, he used uh, this himself, buddhāṁ Saranangachami, and this brought him very good results. His mind was able to get into samādhi from that. And really it's just buddhā nusati, no just the same, the recollection of the Buddha. And before I ordained, uh, I went to a teacher who taught me to recite sammā-sambuddho, and this felt quite strange to me. But really, it's, it's normal to feel in that way. And we just use one of these objects um, to bring them up in our minds, because they fulfill our wish of bringing about inner stillness, inner peace. And this is samatha gamatana. And some people like to reflect upon death, And they can think and recite within their minds that life is not sure, but death is sure. And this too is for the sake of bringing about stillness and inner peace. Some people, they're not so skilled or familiar with this recitation of the word Buddha or Buddha Nusati, So they can contemplate the things that bind over the mind or the thoughts that give us suffering. And we don't wish for our hearts to be tied up in this way. And when we're able to free ourselves from this, then there's emptiness. We can see all things as being empty. There's no attachment to anything whatsoever. And the heart is at ease uh, through that lack of attachment. You see that there's no me, there's no other. And this too is a method to bring about inner peace, to bring up joy in the Dhamma. And this is using wisdom, wisdom to cultivate samadhi. So I ask for all of you to have faith, to have confidence, and to be focused and sincere in whatever meditation object that you're using, because there's just no point in doubting about it. And Sometimes doubts may come up, this is normal, but we just see that they arise and cease, arise and cease. And even though there's doubting, the mind isn't stirred up by those doubts. You see that these doubts, they're just natural. They're completely normal. It's normal for people when they practice to experience these doubts. But these are just phenomena that arise and cease. We shouldn't be interested in them, but rather bring up wisdom instead. And really, we see that all the feelings that come up whether it's greed, whether it's hatred, whether it's delusion, whether it's liking or disliking. These are things that arise and cease. And when we can perceive them in this way, then there's a great sense of ease in the heart. I feel very comfortable, very settled internally. And there's peace that arises. There's rapture that comes up. So we train our minds in this way, always cultivating this path. Because if we don't train our minds, then what will happen? What will that be like? Well, the mind just follows all of these sense impressions. If it's a good sense impression, then the mind becomes good. If it's bad, then the mind turns bad. And it just carries on like this with no end. So what do we do? Well, we have to see the drawbacks in that, the harm, the danger in it, and then train our minds, seeing that a mind that's well-trained brings happiness. Because if we just follow all of our feelings, it goes on, there's not, there's never a place of stop, where, where the path, where that path ends, it just carries on and on. So we need to endure, to bring up efforts, to be sincere. And uh, to meet with success, no matter what it is, it's not easy to do that. And um, it's not something that other people are able to order us to do. They can't control us. Just like going into that fruit orchard, we're the ones who have to go in there ourselves. We have to bring up that wish to go in, to pick that fruit, to eat it. And if we do that, then we'll get the results. We'll get maga, we'll get pala. But it requires our efforts, it requires us to practice by ourselves. Because the Buddha is just the one who pointed the way. He said, follow this path. This is the way that leads to brightness. This path of sila, samadhi, and banya. This will take you to peace. And really, it's easy. It's just that these defilements come up, and they trick us, they obstruct us. They get us to believe them, and they order us about. And they provide all kinds of obstructions, And these are the Kilesa, Maras, the demons of defilement. They don't wish for us and they try to prevent us from entering into this noble path. So, therefore, training with a great teacher, such as Lumpucha, one who was an Arahant, is very important. Because he is one who has trained himself and he taught us this way, he taught us to sacrifice. He taught us to bring up mindfulness and um, to develop sīla, virtue around our actions of body and speech. And so we just do it. We listen to these teachings and we carry them out. And this is no small matter. It's something that's really important. So for chanting, we just chant. And if we're in a community, we do that with the community. If we're staying by ourselves, then we need to chant by ourselves as well, chanting our praises to the Buddha, because he is one who had boundless varami. And if we sincerely chant and praise to him, then we gain boundless merit. And so we use this chanting as a method to bring up internal brightness, to bring up a joyful heart. We also need to endure, to forbear. Even though we may feel tired or sleepy, we still carry on practicing, still carry on sitting. If we feel like we can't take it, then we get go out to walk. If we're still feeling sleepy, then we can walk backwards. We really need to sincerely train ourselves like this. Sometimes the mind is really stirred up and it feels like it doesn't really have a handle on anything. It doesn't know anything. So we need to bring up Um, Memories bring up uh, perceptions, then. We can try it for 20 minutes, um, reflecting upon the nature of the body, seeing it as being just a collection of elements that need to disband, that must break apart. We teach our minds in this way. If the mind is really stirred up, then we use those thoughts. We bring them into the bounds of the body. And then we teach our minds, we contemplate these body until they become at ease. And then from there, we can bring them back to look at the breath and watching the breath as it comes and goes. And the thoughts that go on in the mind become less and less. But sometimes if there's great amounts of thinking, then if we just search and try to look at the breath, it's still in a chaotic state. So we need to use our wisdom in that case. when to use those thoughts until the mind does collect, in, until it reaches a certain level of peace. And with that foundation, then it's easier for us to watch the breath. And we can take this object of the breath as the foundation of our mind's recollection. So both the body and the mind feel very buoyant, the heart becomes joyful. And in that state, it's conducive to contemplation. We can contemplate that contemplate that this body doesn't really have any self there. There's no me, there's no other to it, that the body is just a being, just a body. There's no being, there's no me, there's no other. We bring up this inner knowing, the one who knows, seeing that the mind is just the mind. There's no being, there's no me, there's no other, there's no self to it. And we see that my mind is just a mind, Others' minds are just a mind, there's no difference between them, they're all empty. And here is where we touch emptiness. So we walk this way, the way that takes us to brightness. But if we don't walk, then we just stay in place, we're just stuck there, we're just treading water. And some people, they go backwards, which shows that they don't have any moral integrity. But in this path, what we need to do is abandon all evil and skillful states and give rise to skillfulness, and this is the heart of the Buddha's teachings, and then to go about bringing the mind to peace. And the highest merit is that of a peaceful mind that is imbued with wisdom. So for monks, we have generosity and virtue as the foundation of our lives, and this is true too for lay people. And the benefits of this is happiness, is peace of heart. So we really need to to train in this, uh, because this peace of mind, samadhi, it's an extremely high form of merit. But sometimes we get somewhere in our practice, and sometimes it feels like we're not getting anywhere. We shouldn't worry about that, and we shouldn't wish to get things quickly but rather we focus on carrying walking this path without stopping. And if we do that, then we will need to get there. Just like if we hit two flintstones together, um, then fire will appear. But if we don't put in our effort, even though that flame is there in those stones, it can't arise. So this fire can only come up through our efforts. And in the same way, there's a Buddha in our minds. But if we don't put in effort, then that Buddha can't appear. So therefore, we need to bring our minds into peace. And when they're in that state, then we contemplate this body. We have mindfulness. And so we can look at this mind directly and see the mind as just a mind. so it's coming up to Chinese New Year now. And usually in events like this, we give our blessings, we give good wishes to other people, saying, may you succeed, may you be happy, may you meet with good things. And this is a way of encouraging one another. It encourages us to, to put in our efforts, in our studies, in our work, Uh, to take our ancestors as examples for this. And uh, so we can reflect upon Lumpur as our example, and the way that he trained himself. And so we practice following his teachings. And when we do that, then we should have confidence that this will take us to seeing the Dhamma. If our minds are really stirred up, then we chant a lot. We just carry on chanting without stop. And at some point, they'll need to gather into peace. Samadhi will arise. Or we can use wisdom to contemplate and do this initially. Or we can change these things up. We can go back and forth between using wisdom initially or using samadhi initially. But in the end, uh, all of these ways, they bring us to peace, to seeing the Dhamma. But we need to forbear, we need to endure with everything that we come across. So may all of you set your hearts on this, both the monks and the laity.